and welcome to the Improv Teachers Director's Edition. I am your host, Lauren Morris. In this version of Improv Teachers, we take a look at the artistic direction of improv. It's a side project since I love teaching improv, but I also happen to be an artistic director. And I think that it is helpful for us to dive into what the world of artistic directors are looking for. So every week or every couple of weeks, I will take a look at our shows and line up at AdLib Theater and give you what uh, I think worked, what didn't work, what our formats were, and hopefully some tools to help you become a better improviser, director, producer, or just general human. Thank you for listening. And here we go. This is Improv Teachers Director's Edition. Well, hey there, this should be fun. Uh, you all know that this is pretty low-key podcast. I talk into a microphone. I have some minimum editing. And of course, right now, there's some guy outside with uh, doing a yard probably three blocks away, but it sounds like it's next door. We'll see if it shows up on this. Who knows? Anyways, welcome back. It's the director's edition, and I'm here to talk about our show. This week, we saw all three of the teams that we uh, house at AdLib Theater on stage. So we had our resident ensemble player, uh, players, our resident company players, and our house team. Our resident company might have a new name. It's pretty exciting. And they did a great job this week. They had several people who were absent, which is why we built out a bigger team. Because that's one of those things when you, as someone who's in charge of the artistic direction and the production side, have to consider people are going to miss, people are going to be absent. What is your mission? What is your promise to the audience? What is your promise to each other? For us, our Saturday nights have a very specific mission. Therefore, we cast a little bit bigger of a team so that when we had absences, we could still be putting on the format and the type of show that we were promising to deliver to our audience. So this week they had a few less people and it was their first time in a few weeks to have that. So it was interesting for them to play with that kind of, uh, with that many people. And some of their feedback was there was a lot more going on for them. They couldn't always just sort of stop and react. They were found themselves thinking a little more or um, having to come at things in a little bit of more of a direction, different direction. And I agree with that. They did a great job. You would not have known they were thinking these things while on stage, but they are correct. There are things that we have to do when we're on a smaller set, when we're used to the larger team. Things like letting scenes perhaps play out a little longer, maybe not filling in so many gaps, making sure though that we are taking care of each other, making sure of making those moves, not sitting on ideas, not hesitating. And they did all of those things and they did them well. Uh, and I know I gush over them like every week, uh, but they're really a lot of fun. They ask, they ask good questions and notes. They are thoughtful improvisers and those are the kind of people all of us strive to be and all of us want to be surrounded by. So it's wonderful. Our notes take a little longer than I would like for them to take. Uh, I actually did a, if you go to laurenhas3.com, there are some uh, tips and tricks on how to take notes on a show and sort of my philosophy about post-show notes and how they shouldn't take too long of a time. Ours take a little longer, 
but that's because they want them to take longer. They're being there. I'm, I, I would like to get through them a little quicker, but if they have thoughtful questions, then hey, let's dig into them now rather than later, and let's go ahead and see what happens. Our resident ensemble players also took to the stage. Again, they had a few absences, so they were a bit smaller. Uh, there was definitely times it, – it's interesting because the players that were there, their energy, it's not that it's bad. It's just different. And some of them bring this really, like, fresh, energizing energy, and some of them bring that much more grounded. So watching them navigate that together is something that I'm going to be keeping my eye on and seeing how we can tweak that to make sure that it's the best version of itself because it's super interesting – but it may not always come off as engaging. And I know that they're engaging players and I know that they can be engaging. I think it's them getting used to like how this player has this style of energy and this player has this style of energy and marrying the two. So that's something that I will be um, watching and thinking about and then passing on to them directly and to their coaches so that they can work on that in their rehearsals. One of the, one thing that I did catch was, there's there's some lack of listening going on and I wasn't sure and I and I haven't had an opportunity to talk to the players um, if it was just missed or what happened but there was clearly something had been established as somebody's like somebody's spouse and it wasn't just so quick it was in a scene for a good minute two minute and a half and then when that player got tagged Another player came in and said that they were their spouse again. And I wasn't sure if that player was trying to play the same character, which is a big no-no in the format they do. We're not playing each other's characters. Or they completely missed the – just dropped the ball on what was going on. The person on the receiving end, though, did a great job of, like, justifying because there was no way that the audience was not going to get confused by this. It's one of those moments where, like, And we had a couple of those moments this week where I don't necessarily want to be like that person who's like, oh, you walk through my stuff or, oh, I'm going to be a jerk and call you out on stuff because I'm not comfortable enough in my own improv. At the same time, the audience clearly saw one thing and the player knew it and we needed to not normalize it, but sort of justify it in the moment. And that person did a great job of making that person like their second spouse which was fantastic because now we're setting up an option for a third spouse. And yes, I'm so excited to see another player do that. So I was like, "Woo! great recovery, great win. And I will take it. It was, it was fantastic to watch. And I was just super like, yay. Uh, so they had a, an interesting and fun show and I'm excited to see how we can marry their energies together. And of course, as always, we ended with our house team, which is where I was. And there was a few things this week. Um, One, we ran a little short, and that is on us. And I know why we ran a little short. It's because in our second beats, while we were making some quick, deeper decisions, we weren't living in those decisions, and we weren't staying there long enough. And instead, we were making very pedestrian, basic tag-out runs that enjoyable to the audience and funny, but not our aesthetic, not what we're striving to do, and definitely not indicative of what a house team is supposed to be doing. So I had notes for my team on that, um, and that is also something we will work on. We also had just some lack of listening uh, in one of our scenes where the players, it wasn't that they were talking over each other, it was they were talking to each other. Never once 
stopping to hear each other and adjust what they were bringing to meet the other person. And it's a reminder that this is not your scene. This is our scene. It's a reminder that it doesn't matter how many scenes you're in. It's a reminder that you need to be actively listening because when you start to get heady, you stop actively listening. And then what we have have is a scene that's just messy. Um, And then an interesting thing came up about just like points of reference and internal dialogues with um, players. And when I say internal dialogues, when you start to play with a team for long enough or, or a person long enough, you get to know what some of their moves are, like what some of their physical gestures are, what sort of like the look in their eye means. If you are a team that works on very specific edits, it might be, oh, that person crossed downstage left. That means this is coming. Oh, this person twirled chair four times and then clapped his hands. That means it's time for this kind of edit or this kind of move. Those are internal conversations that don't mean anything to the audience, but mean everything to the players. We, uh, we're in Orlando, so we have a lot of theme park um, references. A lot of people started uh, college programs at the theme parks and were characters. A lot of performers are still characters. In fact, one of our players uh, is does um, he's on the entertainment side and does a lot of acting at Disney World. So we had a scene set up, and two things happened before the third thing happened. One was um, I gave I came in and stuck my head in and said hey Daisy and Donald let's get ready um you're on in five and we have a team where most of us have been working together for a long time but we have some new players and the people on stage and myself and I I can't speak for everybody but I know for one person who didn't get it but we're in Orlando Daisy and Donald it's implied that it's Daisy and Donald Duck right So the moment I said Daisy and Donald, one of the players understood that they were a character and lifts off. uh, If if you know enough about how characters work in the theme parks, you're in these costumes and the heads are ginormous. And so when you pull them off, your hands are wide apart. And that's something that we do quite often in our uh, that we've done often in our sets. And then we put it under our arm because that's how employees at theme parks carry their heads. Fun fact for all of you out there. So. I say Daisy and Donald, the actor does that. And for the person on stage that also signaled, okay, here we are, we're in costumes, we got it, we're in a break room, we know everything we need to know, let's go. And then another player comes in and dresses them in like medieval costuming. So at this point, and I'm just sharing how my brain works, I again go through the whole, okay, you sort of walk through my table, quote unquote, what do I do? Do I let it be? Or do I try to marry the ideas because the audience is seeing something and you just threw in a curveball? And in that moment, I made the decision to marry the two ideas. And so I popped my head back in and I said, that's right, Donald and Daisy, today you're working at Medieval Times, which is another place around here in Orlando. And the audience clearly understood based on the reaction, Um, but the player didn't understand until we had notes later. And that's because the player didn't have the reference point of Daisy and Donald and didn't understand that for us as a team, when that happens, we're holding a head in our hands. 
and that's one of those things is because that person hasn't been on our team as long. So it's a, it's a reminder of, oh, there are some things that we have an internal conversation about that have not come up yet. Now let's have that conversation and make sure we're on the, on the same page. I would have preferred if that person had just held their tongue because two things were already put out, names on on five and someone made a physical choice. We are the type of team that we don't require the external painting. We can paint from within. So with the names and that physical gesture, those two players had enough to go without our help from the outside. I always say for our team specifically, if you're going to help from the outside, it's because no one really knows the location. We did. They're in a break room. Uh, and we don't know the relationship to who they are. We did because they were establishing it. Um, or they don't have their strong games in the way that we define games. And if you're going to do that, go in, define the game, and get out. The other thing is, or you're going to come in and really heighten the stakes to the scene. Because we like to heighten stakes in first beat just as much as we do in second beat. What that player did was none of those things. Instead, they were just adding more things for the players to deal with. And so my note really is, cool, we need to have this conversation about who we are and, and how we talk to each other, but also back off, right? Like, just watch and observe. It doesn't necessarily need you to be in this right now. And that's something we just need to work on as a team. Um, we are very good at internal scene painting. I'm not a huge fan of external scene painting in a herald unless it's absolutely required especially when the players are really good at doing it themselves. And this team knows how to do it themselves. I'm a huge fan of it because it's required and called for in things like improvised movie. Uh, there's times in other formats that it's called. But Harold, the way we come out of Harold, I don't need all that extraneous information. It's too much for the audience to, to grasp onto. It's too much for the players to grasp onto. And these players at a level that they just don't need that kind of support. And yes, that might sound cocky. And yes, we need to say yes, Anne. But as a team, we have a mission and we have a style and we need to adhere to it. And we've all agreed to these. So that would be the notes. And that's why I'm sharing it with you. So that comes back to what is it your team is trying to do? What is the artistic direction of this team? As the director, have you been clear with that? And if you have, then yes, the what note is or is not appropriate. So those are things I, I think you can take away from this conversation that we're having. I think there's a lot of great takeaways from this week's show, a lot of reminders about what improv is, how uh, the our approach to it is, and what we want to be getting from it. And I'm really excited when we have these moments because it's still a learning process. And here's the thing. This is hard. It's, and I don't mean necessarily the improv itself, running a theater, running the artistic vision. For those of you who are doing it, for those of you who are trying to produce shows, for those of you who are filling seats, this isn't easy. This is hard stuff. And I'm hoping that just the honesty and the rawness of the journey of our small little theater in our small little area helps some of you just get up and keep doing it. We need to be creating this space. We need to be having our voice. And it's a lot of fun. It's just wonderful to be able to make a group of people laugh, especially in a day and age when things feel really hard. And so keep doing it and, and keep being you and own who you are. Know who you are. We know who we are. 
that's something that's super important. We, we absolutely know who we are. We know what our promises to the audience. We deliver that. And I, I'm in the position to have hard conversations. I'm in the position to have fun conversations, but it's showing up and doing the work and it's getting opportunities like this. So hopefully you guys get out there and keep doing it. Thank you for listening. Thank you for, for going on this journey with me because it's a learning experience for me as well. I'm hoping uh, as we slow edge into farther into the new year, I'm going to roll out some more teaching tips and, and really just breaking those down because that's, that really is where my heart and passion lies. And, and I can't wait to get that going for you guys. And hopefully by putting that out there and, 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 and saying it out loud, we get out there sooner than later. And uh, until next time, this is the Improv Teachers Director's Edition.